From New England Take and WKXL, I'm your host, AJ Kierstead, nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show. And follow New England Take on all your favorite social media platforms and podcast services to get the shows on demand. Joined today by Doug Kelly. He's the CEO of the American Edge Project, americanedgeproject.org to learn more about them. And to start off with Doug, big picture, what does the American Edge Project do? Hey, thanks for having me on today, AJ. Um, what the American Edge Project does is we are a coalition of about 24 different groups uh, that advocate to make sure that America is number one when it comes to technology and innovation. And our biggest competition that we face is China. And so we always try and urge Congress to do the right thing when it comes to technology, because technology isn't just another sector. It's the very backbone of our economy, our national security, and our values. So that's what we do. And as I sit here... Um, especially anyone that's heard me on WKXL in the morning with my segments the last couple of days. I'm actually in the middle of getting over COVID slash still sick with COVID. And it, I mean, that on its own must have been a, a huge factor for um, really putting muscle behind what, what you're doing with American Edge. Because it, especially when you're talking about the technology realm with the microchip shortage we've seen, who actually owns the IP and manufacturing in, in on the uh, worldwide um, economy? It's huge, and it, most consumers didn't really think about that too much until oh no, the chips aren't there anymore. Yeah, well, take a step back. First of all, you know, America has always led in innovation, and the idea that we could create a vaccine for a new, brand new global disease in less than a year. Uh, first, we just kind of showcase an American innovation. But secondly, you're definitely right. The pandemic exposed uh, an incapacity, especially for microchips overseas in, in areas, you know, Taiwan is very stable, but it's 100 miles away from China, right? And China and the U.S. are very strategic competitors uh, when it comes to these things. And so I think kind of America and lawmakers had this wake-up call of holy cow, we need to make sure that we're building things in the USA that are strategic technologies that are really important supply chain things. And when lawmakers passed the Chips Plus Act, which is helping create uh, more US made microchips, that was a great, great first step in helping make sure that America's innovation capabilities uh, stay ahead of China. Now that the CHIPS Act has, has made it through, I mean, it, are you seeing optimism in the tech industry that it's going to make some positive changes? Like, It, it seems like there's already been a few um, oh, yeah. companies making plans already in that. Sure. It gives companies more predictability. It makes sure we have the scarce resource here. Um, but, you know, there's good things that Congress can do. And then there's also bad things that they can do when it comes to technology and innovation. And some of the bad things they've been talking about doing – uh, would hurt our ability to innovate. So I'll just give you a couple examples. Yeah. So Congress is uh, kind of both sides are frustrated at big tech, right? Both the left and the right. The right feels like it censors voices. The left feels like there's too much hate speech out there. Um, and so the prescriptions that they're coming up with, though, are real hammers to the problem and really hurt our ability to stay in the technology lead. So some of the bills would break up big tech companies, some would restrict the lines of business that they can go in, some would restrict mergers and acquisitions to scale new products up quickly and bring them to market. And all of these things would really, really hurt our ability to innovate. And so, you know, 
I understand there's pain and pressure points when technology intersects politics and society, but you got to regulate technology with a scalpel and not a sledgehammer. Uh, because what we do on technology is going to determine whether we're going to stay in the tech lead or whether we're going to hand the edge over to China. I guess this is this is a bigger question necessarily than maybe what, what your organization does. But generally speaking, though, how do we make sure that these, especially we're thinking, I'm thinking in terms of the uh, the San Francisco based tech giants that, that are out there. How do we make sure there that we're not dealing with issues of of antitrust and monopoly with them? Because if they these American companies are big, but they're also so good at scooping up competition or um, you're just destroying them because of how large they are. Yeah, I feel it's, it's been kind of a one-sided narrative on this. I mean, you know, when you think about American technology, it's not just our biggest five companies uh, who are really important drivers of innovation, um, but the entire tech industry is a really robust, vibrant piece. And it's not just on the coast. There's innovation hubs all across the USA, including some great ones uh, in your state. Uh, the challenge is that some of these bills would undermine kind of the very thing that helps these innovation ecosystems go. So, you know, in, in New Hampshire, you've got great talent married with good capital from investors and with a really supportive uh, infrastructure around it. The challenge is some of these bills would take away the incentive for investors to invest in startup businesses. And when you take away that, the money's going to go away from startups. It's going to go to other things. And that's going to hurt our ability to innovate. I'd also say that our biggest tech companies are some of the biggest investors. Five tech companies alone invest more in R&D each year than the Pentagon. And so, you know, if you think about kind of a, uh, let's say a meadow or Amazon, uh, like an iceberg, right? There's the part above the waterline that you see them doing each day, whether it's e-commerce or uh, you know social networking. But below the waterline, they're billion-dollar investments each year in artificial intelligence, in quantum computing, in all the different strategic technologies of the future that we are racing against with China. And if China gets them first, it's not only a national security risk to us, but it's also a huge commercial value that do we want to sell it to Europe and all of our allies and partners, or do we want China to sell it and get the economic gain? And look, look AJ, I'm from Michigan, right? And when Congress passed some short-sighted bills and you know we lost 300,000 manufacturing jobs in that state, New Hampshire lost a lot of manufacturing jobs as a result of those too. And so we want to make sure that what Congress does is really takes a smart, measured look at how do you make sure that we're getting what we need from technology and remaining number one in the world? I agree with you. Got to play devil's advocate with one more question, though, on yeah, it. Sure. <laughs> well, it's not devil's advocate. Yeah. I mean, these are legitimate yeah. policy yeah. questions because these are tough things that people are wrestling with. Yeah, so I guess to continue that a little bit more, I mean, how do what's the balance that, that you feel should be between being isolationist versus taking part in the global economy? Like, is it a matter of we need to make sure that the innovation and more manufacturing is taking place in the United States so we have a bit of um, 
manufacturing and financial and uh, manufacturing security here in the United States versus a more globalist view of we take this part from this country, this part from this other country, and then we have it all built in these other couple countries or something to that effect? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great question. So I would say that the isolationist approach is not the right way to do it, right? That, that doesn't help anybody. But there's a handful of really core strategic things that we have to make sure that we have here in the U.S. So it's manufacturing capabilities. It's a certain amount of kind of rare earth metals and access to them for, uh, you know, renewable energy and things like that, right? China controls about 90% of the market on that. And so there's things that, that matter to our economic and national security future that we have to be able to build here in the U.S., that we have to be able to secure easy supplies for both for ourselves and our allies. But now we don't need to pull everything back here. Um, because when we pull some things back to really strategic um, in terms of supply chains, there's a lot of ripple effect inside the United States for other businesses as well. So, you know, innovation can benefit everybody, uh, not just the coast. And we, we have to be able to do it with our global partners. Now, looking at the uh, list of uh, companies in your coalition is extremely impressive and something that was it's like it's it's not just one side of the aisle politically necessarily yeah. if you're looking through I mean a big one that I see right on here is Facebook the Hispanic, mm -hmm. Hispanic Heritage Foundation like can you, can you speak to a couple of these organizations and the role they they um, they're hoping to play in furthering this this ideal yeah, so we've got a great mix of groups from technology companies to organizations that represent small businesses, that represent African-American women, veteran businesses, um, as well as Latino businesses. And all of them have a stake in, hey, how do we bring more innovation to our communities um, that they represent and also to you know all the states across the country? Um, and in terms of our board and advisors as well, we have bipartisan firepower there too, right? We've got a former four-star general, we've got the former head of the CIA, people who spent their entire lives protecting this country and thinking about national security when it comes to technology and other things like that. We also have some great economic leaders who are former senators. And so we don't take a, a, a sharp edge of like, hey, it's gotta be this way. What we really try and do is to tell people Here's the importance of technology, because people often take technology for granted, right? This is at least strategic battlefield of us versus China. And so we're trying to raise awareness to both uh, average people and lawmakers of, hey, uh, let's not take this for granted. This really matters that we get it right. And we can't make the same mistake with technology that we made with manufacturing and passing a very short-sighted laws that will have some long-term unintended consequences. And so I'll just add one thing on there, right? So there's been 18 months of hearings on big tech and, um, you know, some of the things that they could potentially do to remedy some of the challenges, but there hasn't been a single national security hearing on, okay, what would these bills do if we passed them? What would they do to our national security? How would it impact them when it comes to our innovators? And that that's an enormous oversight. So that's just on the national security side. Then when you look at the economic side, uh, the economic analysis, some of the ones that have been out there show that if this, if these packages of bills were passed, it would cost retailers about $500 billion in lost sales in just the first five years. So that's roughly a 5% loss in sales. You tell me a small business 
who's went through two years of pandemic, the highest inflation in 40 years over the last year, like they can't afford a 5% sales cut. And so, you know, again, for us, there's things that Congress can do in the short term that would help balance some of these issues out, like pass a federal privacy policy that is smart so people know what's happening with their data, they know how it's being used. And that would be an enormous first step to making sure people have a better understanding of, hey, who's using my data, how, where's it yeah. where's it going, and et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, like China is is the is the the one we enjoy beating back and forth constantly for screwing up with so many things with with, with all these topics. But it, it seems like over, especially over the last ten or twenty years, there's been a lot of the European Union being the ones having a, a a lot of say in what's happening with data privacy and such. And I, I that's always driven me nuts that these American companies are having to that's that's who are relying on this regulation like this this consumer protection should be occurring here in the united states yeah you know it's interesting uh of the 20 top tech companies 10 are in the u.s 10 are in china and none are in europe yeah right and so uh, there's a strong case to be made that the heavy-handed european style regulation thwarts innovation and there's a lot of different bills that europe is is passed that are targeted specifically to the biggest five U.S. tech companies, not their tech, tech companies. Most of them don't apply to China's tech companies um, because they're trying to grow their own market. Well, that's going to have some problems for our you know, entire <laughs> uh, Western allies when you start crippling American innovation um, because you're trying to help out, you know, you know you're trying to overregulate uh, companies that really drive change and drive progress and so you know we've got some things that we got to work out with europe but let's let's be clear about what's happening here china is our number one geopolitical competition when it comes to technology and china's specific stated goal is we can dethrone the u.s if we take technology edge over them and so they try and make us more dependent on their technology they're trying to do it in europe they're trying to do it uh, here in the u.s and so we got to be smart about how we're approaching these things has your group made any public uh, statements around the TikTok situation, especially with Governor Larry Hogan saying that no state devices will be running this anymore? Well, I mean, the Pentagon has said the same thing, right? I mean, yeah. so there's some real security concerns on that about how that data is being used and tracked. And so I think people just got to be kind of wise about what they have on their phone. And again, that goes back to some of the other bills that Congress is talking about passing. Um, whether they're allowing, you know, unscreened apps for people to be able to load on their phone. Um, look, there's a lot of ways people can compromise your data. Um, we got to be smart about how we're approaching that. What's What are some examples of innovation in manufacturing that you, you and the companies that you work with are hoping to really see in the United States? Because it seems like there's a lot of really, really tiny <laughs> companies out there, and then you have these enormous companies that that, that mm -hmm. really have, have uh, taken over just because of various innovations they've been able to have. I mean, there's no there's no way around what Amazon has been able to build over the last 20 yeah. years. It's it's crazy. Yeah. And what Facebook has been able to build over the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, or 15 years or whatever it was. <laughs> the, mm -hmm. uh, like, what are you, what's your vision for going forward? So here, this is a really exciting time to be in technology, right? So uh, I'll just give a couple of things. First, on the automobile side, right? Um, America, uh, you know, we've always led the world in, in automobile production, um, but 
when it comes to electric vehicles, we haven't always led. Right. And this is a great opportunity now with all the big three and, and Tesla as well. They're really investing tons of money in this, but they're also doing it in kind of combination with some of the leading tech companies to be able to accelerate the progress in that area. And two other areas that I would point out. The first is quantum computing. Some of the biggest technology firms are investing heavily in there. Look, it, it is, it's basically 5 million times faster than any of our computing right now um, because it uses the state of the atom to, you know, to uh, do calculations. What that means simply is that if we get that first, um, we can solve health problems, disease problems, and lightning speed faster than we ever could before. If China gets it, it also means that none of our military encryption would be safe because with that type of computing power, you can crack codes real easy. I would say the second area that's really interesting and exciting and is also the source of a lot of startup companies is uh, artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people can just Google us and see like the power of this stuff. You know, I was testing one version the other day and I, I said, write this type of paper that I had to write for college, right? And you compare this troubadour poet with, you know, a police album, um, you know, from 300 years later. Um, and in 60 seconds, AJ, it wrote, you know, a thousand word paper. Um, it was pretty good. Um, and so for me, when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is, this is an incredible time. And again, our biggest tech companies are making the biggest investments in those. And if Congress starts restricting what they can invest in and do, it's going to hurt our ability to have that technology. And so we want to make sure that um, American technology is always number one, that it's always leading China, and that it's being used in a safe and responsible way for the advancement of our values all across the globe. So in the last two minutes here, what, what are some tips that you would – so as – our, our state government is reestablishing itself for the next term yeah. after the election. What At the state level, what should legislatures l look at doing to ensure that they are ahead of the game when it comes to creating new laws to encourage, encourage yeah. technology sector improvements? Yeah. Well, New Hampshire has been a great uh, case study for um, how to use technology to help accelerate and grow economy, right? I mean, you've got a great number of startups there. You've got a great innovation ecosystem. Um, I would figure out, hey, how can we ad apply additional resources to accelerate innovation even more in this area? And what type of partnerships can we do, um, you know, with with small startup firms to help them grow and scale more? The second thing I would encourage your audience to do is, you know, every state has got a stake in keeping America strongest in innovation. Um, if they're worried about some of the things Congress is doing, they should pick up the phone and call their senators and say, hey, you know, don't pass any bills that hurt America's ability to innovate. We've seen this movie before with manufacturing. We need to make sure that we stay ahead of China uh, in innovation and keep us number one. And that that type of real person advocacy to their senators uh, will make a big difference. Doug Kelly, CEO of the American Edge Project, AmericanEdgeProject.org to learn more about them. Thank you so much for joining me, and I, I, I'm kind of optimistic as we look forward to to the innovations with, with the laws, regardless of the side of the aisle is in Congress. Yeah. Uh, seems like we're, we're going in the right direction. And it's just an exciting time. I mean, there's such new, cool things. Again, I mean, you have COVID, right? But, you know, 200 years ago, most of us would not have made it through that, right? And so we've got shots, we've got vaccinated, we're, we're turning the corner on this. And so, you know, 
uh, it's an exciting time to be in America with innovation. It's the New England Take and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead.